Shelley is hiding her new haircut under a bucket hat, standing before her fellow students, book in hand. A whiteboard behind her has the words, The Mask of the Red Death on it. And the teacher, Miss Blair, is seated at her desk, intently listening, peering out over her tortoiseshell classes at the rows of inattentive students. The Red Death had long devastated the country. No pestilence had ever been so fatal, or so hideous. Blood was its avatar and its seal. The madness and the horror of blood. Miss Blair is now walking between the rows, stops to hover over Todd, obliviously absorbed, sketching bodies being torn apart by a demonic red menace. There were sharp pains and sudden dizziness and then profuse bleeding at the pores with dissolution. The scarlet stains upon the body and especially upon the face of the victim were the pest ban, which shut him out from the aid and from the sympathy of his fellow men. And the whole seizure process and termination of the disease were incidents of half an hour. Nicely recited. Todd, becoming aware of his teacher's presence, straightens and looks up. Miss Blair offers a bemused smirk. Meanwhile, in the back row, Becca Dalton taps Vicky Spooner on the shoulder, drawing her attention out towards the window, where Fletcher Ripley, on his dirt bike, holds a cardboard sign above his head that reads, Come out to play. Vicky smiles widely. The Mask of the Red Death is one of Poe's most apocalyptic works. But what does the Red Death symbolize? What is Poe trying to communicate here? Perhaps the talented Mr. Ripley has some insight? Uh, I guess it's like a zombie apocalypse, you know? Christ, not everything is about monsters. <laughs> Rudy, don't be rude. I see a vague connection. Go on. Extrapolate. The real zombie apocalypse is the capitalist exploitation of the working class. It's not your turn to speak, Red. Um, Miss Blair? What is it, Vicky? I'm not feeling well. Is it alright if I go see the nurse? Class is almost finished. Can't you I wait? I think it might be, um, embarrassing to say. I think it's like a woman's thing, you know? Alright, Vicky. Go on, Todd. Vicky packs up her bag and quietly leaves the classroom, smiling at Becca as she closes the door. Well, I mean, uh, Prince Prospero and his friends are trying to hide from the plague, right? By, like, sealing themselves off in his palace. And so they move through, like, seven rooms. But it's like, the more you try to hide from something, the more it presses up against your ass. <laughs> That's why when the prince enters the seventh room, the Red Death is there waiting. Like the Freudian return of the repressed? Like zombies. Literally the living dead. That which has come back. Well, I guess you've got a point. Poe's work here draws thematically on Boccaccio's Decameron, in which young aristocrats flee the Black Death to a private villa. There, they tell each other tantalizing stories to pass the time. The Black Death was the original zombie apocalypse, if you will. Over 50 million dead, piled in heaps of decaying and putrefying flesh. Something both yours and Poe's morbid imagination can appreciate, I think. Capital is the parasite! A zombie maker! The living flesh it converts into dead labor is our own! We must seize the means of production! Overthrow the vampirific exploitation! Save the working classes from the- Well, where does the time go? We'll continue studying Poe for the rest of the term. Make sure you submit your creative works inspired by the bard before the deadline, and come to class prepared. Fletcher weaves past cars, fallen trees, and various hurricane debris. Vicky's manicured hand squeezes his leather jacket in a mixture of fear and excitement. He smiles driving into the north end of the tree-lined streets out into Weir Forest, 
Green trees stick up over ocean inlets and forested islands. They park outside a lookout point. As Fletcher shuts the engine, Vicky hops off the bike, putting her helmet on the ground. Running into the woods, Fletcher lags behind, laying down the kickstand, dropping his helmet. He gives chase. I'm gonna get you here, chicky, 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 chicky. Here, chicky, 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 chicky. Here, chicky, chicky, chicky. Hiding behind a tree, Vicky covers her mouth so as not to breathe heavily, as Fletcher is seen searching for her in the background. She looks behind the tree. He's not there. She takes off, but Fletcher catches her about the waist. They tumble to the ground. Gotcha! You're such a perv. You fucking love it. They begin to kiss, removing each other's clothing. Did you hear something? Fletcher lifts his head and looks around. Probably just a killer squirrel coming for these nuts. <laughs> he tickles her. No, no, no. Stop. Stop. There's something. There's something there. Vicky pushes Fletcher off of her. The lenses of the techno gas mask proceed into the bush. Todd takes out his skateboard from the straps of his backpack, waiting beside the bike racks in the shade of Grismore High. When Duncan arrives, wearing blue and red 3D glasses, and he begins to touch Todd's face, mimicking the act of a blind person. Whoa! Holy snackies! Bro, they totally work! Check it, my dude! I can see in 3D! Come on, man! People are staring! Who cares? Official Creech Speech merch for next week's episode. Vampire Hunters 3? In 3D! Happy belated, Brostein! Duncan pulls out a second pair of Creature Feature 3D glasses, handing them to Todd. Sweet. What'd you get yourself? Well, check it. Todd rolls up his sleeve to reveal a fresh skate-or-die tattoo. Whoa, you glorious bastard. You really did it. Does one know? Got a tat? Let me see. Stick and poke. Hey, sis, you coming to the shop? No, I gotta... Yo, Shell, you coming to watch the game? Eric Leeson and Rudy Rutherford are honking the horn in Rudy's SUV, while Piper Simpson and Becca Dalton laugh in the back seats. Don't plan on it. Come on, Rudy, forget this dyke bitch. Shelly gives Piper the finger as Eric begins making faces at them. Yeah, come on, bro, screw these weirdos. Think he already has, isn't that right? Didn't you bang her out at Matt Humble's party last year? Yeah, and the fucking shitter. Becca Dalton adds to the assault. Hanging over the front seats. Can't blame him, though. That was when she looked somewhat normal. Back when she used to hang. Yeah, before she added four pounds to her ass. Yeah, that ain't a bad thing. <laughs> well, then she started hanging out with... Well, look at them. Slut! <laughs> You're such a fucking bitch, Becca. Shelly looks mortified as the collective mockery has drawn a small crowd. Hey, hey, why don't you guys just... Just what, dingus? Just, just fuck off, man! Shut up, Duncan, you fat shit stain. Come on, Rudy, let's rip. What a bunch of assholes. Fucking normies. I'll let him get to you. It's fine. I've got to go to work. Hey, are you okay? I said it's fine. Alright, I'll see you guys later. Sure. Peace out, Boy Scout. Shelly flashes Todd a peace sign as she walks towards the parking lot. Well, Duncan unlocks his bike, pulls out a bungee cable from his backpack. We skitching? <laughs> Let's skitch. 
Todd is skating, holding onto the bungee cable attached to the back seat of Duncan's bike. They ride through town, coming upon a massive crater in the road, surrounded by danger warning signs. They narrowly avoid it as a car swerves to avoid that. You stupid fucking kids! Todd kickflips up onto the sidewalk, slingshotting past Duncan, arriving at Mitch McDougal's house of horrors, sandwiched between the laundromat and boarded up storefront in a horseshoe plaza. <laughs>